ladies. Praise the Lord. He is worthy. He's worthy of all our worship. He's worthy of so much more than we give him. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, if you should turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll uh, go ahead and look together here at a, several verses. We're going to look at verses 4 through 28, and then verses 39 through 42, and just making sure, do we have all of our kids dismissed yet for patch? If we have any kids yet, the patch club's going on if the kids want to get dismissed for there if we missed any folks. Uh, John chapter 4, verses 4 through 28. And he must needs go through Samaria, the Bible tells us here. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thine husband, in that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what, she Know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. 
Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pots and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this to Christ. Skip down to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saint of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode uh, there uh, two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open your word tonight, Lord, as we look at a very important subject for believers, Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I love this passage. Lord, I love seeing your heart for the lost world. Lord, I love the fact that although the religion of the disciples got in the way of their seeing the need. The God you desired, that woman, that fallen woman, to call upon you. And Lord, you used her mightily. You used her more than you used Peter, James, and John that day. You used her to reach her city. You used her to reach those that she knew, those that she had influence on. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight to see that you want to use us. Lord, help us not to think that we don't qualify. Help us not to believe that we are insignificant, but God, may we see your purpose for us. Lord, would you help us? In your precious name we pray. Amen. I want to share a few truths with you tonight about this woman at the well. And the truth tonight is that you and I are free in Christ. And we are free to lead others to also find freedom in Jesus Christ. And I see a few things here in this passage, and I won't be lengthy tonight, but I believe some helpful truths that will help us to understand and see what happened here and understand it in such a tangible way that we can apply it in our life. We are all familiar with this story. We, we all know that the fact that the Jews wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans, we know that when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria, the disciples were like, no. I remember when I went to Bible college, I moved from the farm in West Virginia, and I moved to Indiana, and that week, on Wednesday of that week, I got in a car with my buddy, his name was Damon Ellerby. And he had a big, I can't remember what it was, big jalopy of an old car, 1970-something. It was like 700 feet long, Brother Ahmad used, got about a mile per gallon. And I got in his car. He and I were going to go to church on a Wednesday night. And we had never driven from the college to the church before. And it's, it's a little bit of a drive, and we took a wrong turn. I did not know where we were until we were driving along, and I looked, and I saw a sign that said, Welcome to Gary, Indiana. Now, that probably doesn't mean anything to most of you. Those of you that were Michael Jackson fans might know that that was his hometown. Most of you don't know much beyond that. But Gary, Indiana at the time was the murder capital of the world. It was an area that used to be a booming steel town in the 50s. 
in the 50s, it man, that place was Hoffen. Now, there was money being made, there were huge houses, a little bit like Fort McMurray was uh, in the early 2000s. That's what Gary, Indiana was in the 50s. And then the steel industry in the United States tanked. And that area that was a booming place where money was being made hand over foot became one of the biggest slum areas, one of the biggest uh, areas of crime and poverty across the United States. And along with crime, along with poverty, always there's murder and drugs and all that goes along with it. And Gary, Indiana, by that time, this was 1993, was no longer uh, a booming steel town. It was a place that was a dangerous place to be. When I saw that sign, I looked at my buddy Damien and I said, we got to get out of here. We did what every person does when you realize you're in a bad part of town. How many of you know the sound? It's a universal sound. You reach over and you press the lock button, brother of mine, and the door locks click. And I'm like, man, we got out of where we are, just drive out of here. And we're looking around, people are looking at us like uh, uh, we were a piece of meat hanging in the farmer's market. And we got out of there. We were somewhere where we should not have been. Now, we didn't purposely go there. Now, as the Lord would have it, my wife and I, when we got married, we lived in Gary, Indiana. Uh, now, we didn't live in that area we were driving through. We lived in a little different area, but I used to send letters. Remember letters? Remember you write on paper and you put them in an envelope and there were stamps, you'd lick them and you put them in the mail? When I would address a letter to my family, the mailing address, the return address, I would write, uh, your loving son, murder capital of the world. Uh, and I would send it to them. But it was a place where nobody really wanted to go. Samaria was a place like that to the Jews. They wanted nothing to do with that place. If you had asked Peter, James, or John, or any of the disciples, if you'd have said, hey, do you want to go to Samaria? Hey, should we go and get Jesus to preach to the Samaritans? Hey, what do you think about us going and, and, and telling the Samaritans that Jesus is the Messiah? Can I tell you that to a man, all of them would have said no. No way. Why, why would we want them to hear that? Why would we want to go there? But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. I want you to understand Jesus was there on purpose. He was there because he had an appointment. That appointment was at that well. We read about it a moment ago. Jesus met with a woman that the people of the town of, the town of Sychar would have said, that's a wicked woman. That's a fallen woman. That's a woman we want nothing to do with. Matter of fact, the kind of woman that uh, whenever the disciples came back and they saw Jesus talking, they said, why is Jesus talking to her? This doesn't look good. Like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, Peter, this, this doesn't look good. Hey, John, I, I'm not really accusing Jesus here, but why is he talking to her? We understand where we come to that place at the well. We have Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. We have a woman who was a sinner, by the way, just like you are and just like I am without Jesus Christ. 
We try to quantify sin. We try to uh, say, well, I'm a pretty, I'm not a bad sinner. Then there's the bad sinners, and this woman was a real bad sinner. The fact is we're all sinners. But Jesus met this woman. I want to share some things about her. Number one, she was a woman who was bound in shame. When she got to that well, she was bound in shame. So, Pastor, what do you mean by that? The Bible says that she came at the sixth hour. It means it was about lunchtime. I've never been to the Middle East. Brother Maud's from Iran. Brother Eric used to live in Dubai. What was it like at lunchtime in Dubai? Was it nice and cool and comfortable there? It was hot there, wasn't it? It was miserable. If you had to do something outside, you weren't going to do it at lunchtime. Uh, now, we live in the land where, oh man, I got to do something outside. I guess I'll wait until the middle of the day and maybe the temperature will warm up enough that I won't freeze to death when I go outside. But we're talking about a place where the middle of the day was a time nobody went outside. Nobody went to get water in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. Why did she show up then? Because she was bound in shame. She probably walked around the city of Sychar and saw people pointing and whispering about her. She had a reputation to where she probably didn't want to be seen. She probably looked outside of her house to make sure there was nobody on the street before she covered her face and took her picture and got out of town to get her water. She was living bound in shame. Can I tell you, without Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and, and the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, every one of us are bound in shame. The binding is just the same. But she met Jesus there at the well, bound in shame. She met Jesus at the well, bound with a lack of satisfaction. Mr. Jagger used to sing, I can't get no satisfaction. Can I tell you, that was the anthem of her life. She wasn't satisfied. Why is it Jesus said to her, I've given you water that you never thirst again? Because Jesus knew that in her heart that there was an empty spot that was never filled and never full, and she never got to the place where she was satisfied. No doubt she tried to satisfy it with so many things. She tried to satisfy it with the flesh. She wasn't satisfied. She was seeking for something. Seeking for something to satisfy her, but she was bound, not able to find any satisfaction, never full, never satisfied, never fulfilled. Can I tell you, without Jesus Christ, there is no fulfillment. That's why people who have all the accolades and all the fame and all the wealth and all the popularity in our world so often, those folks that we look at in pop culture and say, man, they've got everything. And we find them committing suicide by the multitudes. I think of a very famous man, a very funny man, Robin Williams. A clown. A man that had that crazy energy and just infectious with his laughter. And everybody said, what a funny man. 
By the way, he had fame. He was known. He had wealth. He had everything you want. And I say you want because I, in our world, that's what we want. Our flesh wants all of those things. And we may deny it, but we want those things. Why? Because our, our culture has told us we want them. And yet he was a man who died. Why? Because he was unfulfilled. Christian, this woman at the well was a woman who was bound. And she was bound not only in shame, but bound with a lack of satisfaction. A lack of satisfaction. We also see this woman was bound in religion. Bound in religion. I want you to notice in your Bibles there, I want you to see what she said to Jesus. In verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. I want you to think about the, the conversation that's going on here. Who do we have part of the conversation? We have Jesus. Who is he? He's God. And we're talking about the Son of God, the Messiah, God incarnate. We're talking about the Holy One. We're talking about the Creator and then we have a woman, a fallen woman, a woman we know as the woman at the well. But I want you to see that along with that shame, along with everything she was bound in, she was also bound in religion. So, Pastor, what do you mean? She's having an argument with God. Get this. She's having an argument with God about how you ought to worship. She's telling the one, the only one who deserves worship, you're wrong, here's how you ought to worship. She had religion. Religion was not the answer. By the way, religion is still not the answer. Religion is a binding. Man's religion, whatever flavor you want to call it, and I don't care what flavor it is. I, I don't care if it's, you name it, doesn't matter the religion. Any religion, falsely so-called, is nothing more than handcuffs. Religion says this is the way that you can make God happy. This is the way that you can be accepted. Just put your hands in here. Some of you spent much of your life bound in the handcuffs of religion. Some of you remember holding those beads and praying, so many times a day. Why? Because you were bound to it. Some of you remember, I got to keep this rule and I got to keep this rule and I can't eat this food and I can't do this. Why? Because you were bound in religion. Can I tell you this woman at the well was bound? Bound in shame. Bound in a place where she could not be satisfied. She was bound even in religion. Number four, she was bound with unanswered questions. She was bound with unanswered questions. Notice what she said to Jesus here. Verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he'll tell us all things. You know what she was saying? She was saying, Jesus, I, 
I got a lot of questions. But hopefully someday they'll be answered. Hopefully someday I'll, I'll find out the answer to my questions. When Messiah, I know he's going to be called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to answer me. But what she was saying was, I don't have the answers now. I don't have all of them. That's where she was. That's who she was. She was more than just a fallen woman. More than just a woman at the well. She was a woman who was bound. She was bound in shame. That shame that probably ruled every aspect of her life and her culture. She was bound with that lack of satisfaction. We don't know for sure, but it's highly likely with her background and with her life that maybe she had tried so many outlets trying to find satisfaction and nothing fulfilled her. No doubt she had tried religion. She was bound in it. She argued with God himself about religion, about where to worship. And she was bound with unanswered questions. But that wasn't the worst of it. Can I tell you, she was bound in sin. All of those things had her bound. But the strongest binding, the strongest chain that wrapped around her was that of sin. She said to Jesus, Jesus, give me this living water that I never thirst again. I, I'd like to have that. And what did Jesus say to her? Jesus told her, go call thy husband in verse 16 and come hither. Why did Jesus say that? Was he being cruel? Was it because he wanted to hurt her? Of course not. Why would Jesus say to a woman who was not legally married, go call thy husband? I met a sweet couple a few months back, an older couple, and I assumed they were married. And they had just met, they were, they were dating, but they were, you know, about 65, 70, about 70 years old. And I said something about husband and wife, and they're like, oh, no, no, we're not married. I, I assumed, but I didn't know. I didn't, they weren't offended, but I, I just didn't know. Uh, Jesus knew here. He knew. So why was it Jesus said, go call thy husband? I believe he wanted her to look straight in the face of that which bound her, which was sin. He wanted her to see herself as she was. Why? Why did Jesus say, go call thy husband? Not to mock her, not to shame her, but so she would realize her condition. How many of you know how to swim? How many swimmers we have here? How many of you can't swim? My wife told me when we got married, she couldn't swim. She said, I don't know how to swim. She's scared of water. We went on a canoe trip one time. Not canoe trip. I say trip. We went on a little teeny 
a creek about as wide as, as this row of chairs, maybe a little wider. It was a short ways, but uh, I jumped, I'll spare you the story. I jumped out of the canoe thinking I saw a $100 bill in the water. And my wife almost divorced me because I almost capsized the canoe. She almost killed me. And, but the mic, it was close. My death loomed very ominously close. And uh, then about four or five years ago, we were somewhere in a pool, and my wife started swimming. I said, what? I thought you couldn't swim. She said, oh, I forgot. I, I learned how to swim when I was a kid. I forgot that I could swim. How do you forget you can swim? <laughs> anyway, I digress. Some of you can swim, some of you can't swim. Some of you can swim, but you forgot you know how to swim. I, I can swim, and I swim like a fish, a live fish, not a dead fish, brother Ron. I, I, I can swim. Uh, now, I have a lot of body fat, so I float very well. That helps a lot. But I, I swim very well. I, I am a swimmer. Now, if I'm swimming, and I'm enjoying myself, and I'm having no problem, I am not going to yell, help, to the lifeguard. Why? I don't need help. Someone tries to come and help me when I'm swimming, I'm going to punch them in the face. Like, leave me alone. I don't need your help. I know how to swim. Uh, I meant to look like I was drowning. I'm having fun. Get away from me. I'm not going to call for help. But those of you here tonight who do not know how to swim... If someone picked you up and tossed you out of the deep end of a pool and instincts did not kick in and you did not learn how to swim or remember you knew how to swim, you know what you're going to do? You are going to scream for help every time your head bobs up. <laughs> Hoping somebody comes while you know you're in trouble. You know you're in trouble. Christian, can I tell you this woman had to come to the realization that she was bound in sin. She was bound. That's how she met Jesus. She met him with many bindings and many things that had her bound. But I praise God tonight, that's not the end of the story. And that's not the message tonight, but I, I want us to have that as a foundation because I want you to see yourself. I want me to see myself just as this woman was without Jesus Christ. I was bound. I was not free without Jesus. By the way, Without Jesus Christ, even when you were religious, you were not free. You were bound. She was bound. Now, praise the Lord, she was set free. She met he who was the answer. She met the one that came to die in her place, the one that came to go to Calvary to pay for her sin, the one who loved her so much that he gave himself for her. She met the one that gave her living water. I want you to see number six. We talked about her being bound in sin. I want to see her response to freedom. Her response to freedom, we see that in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Number one as we think about her response to the freedom. And Christian, I want you to think about your response. If you're saved tonight, you have been set free from all the same things that this woman received freedom from. We're free in Christ. We're free. I'm not bound anymore. 
Her response, what did she do? Number one, where did she go? The Bible says that she left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, her peers, the people she associated with, the people that knew her. The Bible doesn't say explicitly here, but I believe we can infer that she went to the men that she'd had relationships with. I believe that only makes sense. She went to those that knew her intimately. She left her water pot. She left everything she was doing because she'd been set free. She wasn't in bondage to shame anymore. She wasn't in bondage to being unsatisfied anymore. She wasn't in bondage to religion. She wasn't in bondage to sin. She wasn't in bondage to questions without answers. She was free. She left. But she did more than leave. She went to her peers. When she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, she was immediately consumed with the desire to tell others about him. That's where she went. What did she do? I believe she went to witness, maybe to her partners in sin, maybe to the only people she knew, her crowd. It's highly likely. I don't mean to be crude tonight, but I want you to, I want you to grab a hold of this and see it for what it is. It is highly likely that she spent the night before she went to the well and met Jesus, that she had spent that night with one of the men she went and told about Jesus that day. I know that's uncomfortable for us to think about in church, but I want you to realize the reality of, of what happened in her freedom. She went to find those that she knew that also needed to be free. Those that she knew that wore the same bonds that she had been in, and she wanted them to have freedom. She went to the men. She went to her peers. She went to witness to her partners in sin. They had been maybe her comrades in her lifestyle. She was free. She was free to go to lead others to freedom. She didn't just say, I'm free. Well, I'm glad I'm free. I'm going to get out of here. She began to think about those that didn't have freedom. Those that were not free. Those that needed the message she heard. By the way, when you got saved, Many of you, when you got saved, you were the only person in your family that had received the gospel. Some of you, maybe you were the very first one in your family or maybe your friend group that heard the gospel. That's not true for all of you, but for some of you, that's the case. For some of you, you might have been the very first one in your whole family that ever trusted Christ as Savior. And for you, your entire family was bound while you were free. The natural response would be the same. 
wanting to lead them to freedom. What would happen if as a church, if as an assembly of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we would begin to witness to our peers? We begin to use the freedom we found in Christ to share with others about that freedom. Suppose that every family, and I know this happens, and it has happened throughout the history of our church, but imagine if it began to be multiplied week by week. Can I tell you the impact that we could have in our city, in our province, and in our world? You see, that's what happened in Jerusalem. We see a great influx of those who became free and shared their freedom, the one who freed them in Jesus Christ with them. Why doesn't it work today? Why isn't it happening on a grand scale today? Not because it doesn't work, but because we're not living in that freedom that God has given us for the purpose he's given it to us. We're not taking advantage of what God has given us an opportunity for. By the way, think about this for a minute. If that woman had left the well, Sychar's well, came back to town, found the man she'd spent the night with the night before, and said, hey, let's go back to your place. Let's, let's do the same things we did yesterday. And during that, she said, hey, you should, really, you should really go meet Jesus. He changed my life. He'd say, no change I've seen. And we're doing the same thing we did last night. We're involved in the same thing that we know is wrong today as we were yesterday. One of the biggest hindrances to us sharing Christ is that we are not living in the freedom God has given us, and we can't share, hey, you can be free like I am because we put the cuffs back on. And I know that's not popular, but that's true. That's where we are in a culture today. But she, her response to freedom was going to share with others, share with others that freedom she had found. Can I tell you that this woman at the well, she found that freedom. She was free in Christ to lead others to that freedom. But I love this. Lastly, others found the same freedom because of her testimony. Others found the same freedom because of her testimony. Let me say this. The woman at the well did not give them freedom. I know that's a simple statement, but that is, that is something you have to grab a hold of. She didn't give them freedom. What did she do? She said, come see a man who told me all things what I've ever, I've ever done. She said, hey, go talk to that man. I want you to talk to Jesus. If you look back in your Bibles in John chapter 4, 
It says in verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. I want you to notice here, others that found freedom in Jesus Christ because of her testimony, there were those who simply heard what she said. She shared what God did with her. And they found the, the same freedom she found in Christ. But I want you to read on with me in verse 30. Or verse 40. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode with them two more days. And many more believed because of his own word, verse 42, and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we've heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I wish I could put this in a capsule. And I wish that all of us could take it and it would, we would get it inside of us and we would understand that it would take, take a hold of us. We see twofold. Twofold here what happened. This woman found freedom in Jesus Christ was free to lead others to freedom. It happened two ways. And by the way, it still happens the same way. It still happens the same way. Number one, her testimony. By the way, your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. When you go to someone and say, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. I have a dear friend. I thought about him today. We talked about him with Elizabeth on the phone. He was a... In a rock band in high school, he and I are the same age. We, he went to Bible college with me. We started at the same time. We're from the same part of the world. He was, before he came to Christ, he was involved in a rock band, a rock band that ended up uh, opening for a group called Pearl Jam. Maybe some of you maybe know that name. Uh, I say that to say it was something that was big. He was in that lifestyle. He was bound in all the things that come along with it as a young teenager. He got saved. 16 years old, I think he was. He left all that lifestyle and all that went along with it. God called him to preach. He went to Bible college. One day, he and I were knocking on a door, and we knocked on a door of a family, a guy in Chicago. He answered the door. He looked at us and said, oh, you're just a couple of church guys. He said, you can't understand me. You've never been where I am. I'm not listening to you. My buddy Jeremy, he said, can I show you something? He pulled out his wallet. He pulled out his driver's license picture. He was 18 at the time. He got his driver's license when he was 16. The picture of that driver's license was his picture at 16 years old before he got saved. He had hair down about right here. 
he looked at that guy and he said, that's me. The guy said, that's not you. He said, no, that's me. He said, let me tell you what God did for me. I'll be real honest with you. And I had talked to that fella and tried to share with him. He, he was very much ready to reject the gospel. But when Jeremy shared his testimony and said, hey, look, two years ago, I was you. Two years ago, my life looked like your life. Two years ago, I was bound in this. But I found freedom in Jesus Christ. Your testimony is powerful. But don't miss this. This is even more powerful. The word of God is vital. There were those that said they heard the testimony they believed. But there were many more who said, we're going to go talk to Jesus. And they said to the woman, we believe not because you said it. We believe because Jesus said it. That's why this Bible, that's why the gospel, the word of God is so vital we get out because he said it. Not because we said it. Not because the church said it. Not because your pastor said it or your mom or your dad said it, but because God said it. You and I are free in Christ, not free to do what we want, not free to live our own life, not, not for that purpose. We're free so we can share others and lead others to find the same freedom we found. What a powerful truth. I know Peter stood on Pentecost and preached and thousands were saved. I know the disciples were involved in the feeding of the 5,000. I know they did a lot of things with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling the ministry of the disciples. And I know that they found one by one, they found people and they led people to Jesus Christ. I believe that. I understand that. But I believe the case could be made that from the time the disciples first followed Jesus until Jesus went to the cross, in that three-year window, it's highly likely that the person that was most responsible for seeing the most people come to Jesus Christ during that time, it wasn't Peter. It was the woman at the well. I'll tell you who probably might have topped her and who if he didn't top her was a close second was the demoniac of Kandera. Same story. He was bound. He was controlled by the devil. He was set free. What did Jesus say? Hey, don't come with me. Why didn't Jesus let him follow him? Why would, I mean, I would have been like, hey, this guy right here was in the tombs cutting himself last night. Look what I did. No. Where did Jesus send him? Back to the people that knew how he was bound. Why? So the demoniac of Gadara could say, remember the last time we met? You saw me bound with chains. I'm not bound anymore. I'm free. I found freedom in Jesus Christ, and you can find that same freedom. You see, before Jesus went to Calvary, 
I believe the people that had the biggest impact in reaching people were not those men that followed him. It were those that were set free. It was the blind man who said, have mercy on me, Lord. And all of a sudden he could see. And he went and told everybody what Jesus had done for him. Christian, who have you told? Who have you told what Jesus has done for you? Who have you told about the freedom? Who have you went to and said, hey, I want you to know what God did for me. I want you to have the peace and the freedom that I have. That's why you're free tonight. That's why I'm free tonight. So we can lead other people to freedom in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for our testimonies. Thank you for the word of God. All those powerful tools that we have to lead others to you, to the freedom that is in Christ. Lord, I love this passage. How powerful, how how life-changing. Lord, help us not to skip over it. God, help us not to belittle. God, may we see the scope of exactly what you did, not just in one life, but what you did with one life in an entire city. Lord, I pray you do it again. Lord, I believe you're just as powerful today as you were that day. Lord, I believe your blood can still cleanse and save just as it could. It hasn't changed. I believe your word is still powerful. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight, Lord, to be reminded. Lord, that we have freedom in Christ so we can share that freedom with others. God, help us to be about our Father's business. Help us this week to tell somebody, somebody what you've done for us. Maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a family member, or maybe a stranger. God, help us to tell somebody, to lead somebody to understand the freedom that we have. Lord, would you work in our hearts tonight? May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Colton, come lead us in a song if you would. I'll sing 516. Is your all on the altar? Number 516. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly fervently prayed but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid is your
together, Lord, I pray we would yield our body, our soul to you. Lord, I thank you that you yielded yourself, Lord, to die in our place. Lord, I thank you for those wonderful words. Lord, when that woman said, Lord, I'm going to find out some answers one day when he comes. Lord, how wonderful that you were able to say, that's me. That's who I am. Lord, I'm glad you are the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that we enjoy as we've talked about throughout the year, the freedom in Christ. Lord, may we be reminded tonight that that freedom that we have is such a precious commodity. It is such a wonderful thing that, Lord, we ought to be wanting to share it with everybody we can. And, Lord, there are many many this week that could only be reached by somebody in this room because of their testimony, their unique opportunity to share Christ. Lord, help us to use those opportunities. Bless us now, Lord, I pray you'd be with us. Lord, in our time of fellowship, Lord, I pray you'd bless our time together. Lord, I pray you'd bless the food to our bodies. Lord, I thank you for those that have prepared. Lord, I pray you'd help us to enjoy that time, enjoy the food together. Uh, may you be glorified uh, in your precious name. We pray. Amen.